Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. True biblical discipleship and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we've been talking about that it means total commitment, total, complete commitment to the Lord. That discipleship and true biblical discipleship is not clocking in your half hour of worship on Sunday morning. True biblical discipleship is not about getting to church and going to church and spending time in church or any of these kinds of things. True biblical discipleship, as we've talked about, is not a passive call, but it is a total commitment to Jesus every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 12 months a year, every year until Jesus comes. True biblical discipleship is what we've been talking about. Total commitment. I think this little story, listen, illustrates my point. A hog and a hen are sharing the same barnyard, and they heard about the church's program to feed the hungry. The hog and the hen discussed how they could help. The hen said, I've got a great idea. We'll provide the bacon and the eggs from, for the church to feed the hungry. The hen said that. Well, the hog thought about the suggestion and said, well, there's only one thing wrong with that bacon and eggs idea. For you, it only requires a contribution. But for me, it requires total commitment. (laughs) Isn't that true? And for the Christian, it requires total commitment if you're going to be a disciple. Not a little bit of Jesus giving him a little bit of your life, but everything Always total commitment. And we've talked about the characteristics of a true disciple. This is part four of our our study on the characteristics of true disciples. Number one, the the, the characteristics of a true disciple is number one, you must have a desire to be used of God. We talked about these. You must be willing to swap and switch and substitute and proxy your plans for his plans. And as a matter of fact, Jeremiah 29 says that I know the plans and the thoughts I think towards you, God says. Thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So the truth is, it makes sense to swap, switch, substitute your plans for his plans. Because God's plans for you are better than you know. And you you can't orchestrate your life the way God can. So he knows. Characteristic of a true disciple, number one, you got to have a desire to be used of God. Number two, if you're taking notes, true disciples don't trust in their own ability. Number three, true disciples know you've got to know your primary audience. Who should you reach? Who should you go to? True disciples, number four, preach the kingdom of heaven. True disciples, number five, receive Jesus' power. True disciples, makes sense, Make disciples. Number six, 
And then true disciples, they trust in the promise of his provision. And true disciples, number eight, are willing to be persecuted for the Lord. And number nine, we left off last week, true disciples are those who fear God. This morning we pick up in Matthew chapter 10, saints in verse 32, if you're there, say a hearty amen. In verse 32, Jesus says, therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. Do not think in verse 34 that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And he who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones in verse 42 only a cup of water in the name of a disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Now stop right there. If you've been with us, you know. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And they are about to go out in the ministry. And he's giving them their marching orders and previously in chapter 9 and earlier in chapter 10. He's giving them their marching orders as they go out ministry. And last week we talked about Jesus said when you go into a city, he says if they reject you, leave the city, shake the dust off your feet. He says and for that city, it's going to be worse for them than for Sodom and Gomorrah. Jesus goes on to say, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And then he further tells them that they're going to be persecuted. But they don't need to fear because God is concerned with every detail of their lives. And now continuing to talk about that fear, Jesus goes on to say, there's no need to fear as you're going out into the ministry you need to be fearless, no need to fear, as it relates to verse 32, confessing Jesus Christ publicly. Number 10, true discipleship. Characteristics of true discipleship. You are willing to confess Jesus even if it means persecution. A true disciple confesses Jesus. Notice what he says. Whoever confesses me before men, I will confess before my father. Whosoever denies me before men, I will deny before my father. If you're going to be a true disciple, you must, listen and listen close, you must underscore, emphasize, you must confess Jesus publicly. It is so important to open your mouth and to confess him publicly and to tell someone about Jesus publicly. Tell a friend. Didn't somebody come up with that slogan? Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell someone publicly. Confess him publicly. The word confess is the Greek word homologeo. 
And it literally means to say the same thing as another, to agree with, to profess and declare openly, to speak out freely. And Jesus is saying if his disciples would be willing to tell others about Jesus, then Jesus is going to be willing to tell the angels and the Father about them. But he says, if you are not willing to tell others about me, then I will not be willing to tell the angels and the Father about you. You see? So we need to be Christians and people who are willing to confess and profess Christ openly. The term secret Christian is an oxymoron. Did you know that? Say amen if you knew that. Secret Christian. If you, you, we've all met them. I, mean, you, I, I remember I used to, you know, working outside the church. And you ever working with somebody and like two or three years later after working with them, you find out they're a Christian? It's like, what's up with that? I mean, how does that happen? You know, a secret Christian should never be said. That's an oxymoron. I remember when I was in the military and I used to travel to duty stations and, you know, I was in the military for 13 years going to various duty stations. One of the first things I would do when I got to a duty station, one of the first things I would do is share my faith or tell someone that I was a Christian, probably the first day of check-in. Here I'm sitting there at the office and I'm checking in and, you know, the guy's asking my information and all of this kind of stuff. And, and you know, I, you know, just right in the middle, he might ask my social security number. You know, I'm telling him, and I, hey, I'm a Christian. And he goes, uh, did I ask you? Uh, no, 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 no. But I, I want you to know I'm a Christian. When I get to your office, when I get checked in, I want everybody to know that I'm a Christian. Because I, I, I don't want no nonsense. See, I, it's not that I'm better than anybody or separate than anybody or more holy than anybody, but I just I want everybody to know that I'm a Christian because a couple things. One, when you tell people and confess that you're a Christian, what happens is it holds you accountable. And this is why a lot of people don't want to tell people they're a Christian because they don't want to be held accountable. But it holds you accountable. And so when you tell people you're a Christian, now all of a sudden they expect you to act like one. Uh, duh, yeah. And so it actually holds you accountable. And, and see, I don't, me, me personally, I would you know, tell them I'm a Christian because I, you know, I don't want to be invited to happy hour. Matter of fact, I'm, happy hour is not happy anyway, so why do I want to go? I mean, happy hour is really sad. You ever go to happy hour, it's like sad. And everybody's drinking and crying over their liquor. And, 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 you know, and I'm like, what, what's up with that? Happy hour is not happy anyway. Don't invite me to happy hour. I don't want to go to happy hour. You know, I, I, don't, I don't want that. See, I don't need all this drama and I don't need all this extra stuff in my life that caused me to stumble. And go. See, I can stumble all by myself. And say amen if you know what I'm talking about. I can, my mind can just go to places that it's never been before. And it's, I don't need that. And so I, I like to tell people I'm a Christian because it holds me accountable and it also keeps people from, you know, asking me to be involved in things that they know. You know, and yes, they're going to persecute you. Yes, they're going to think that you think you're better than they are. Yes, they're going to think, oh, what are you, holier than thou? Have you ever heard that? Oh, you must be holier than thou. And in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, but, you know. <laughs> but, you know, but you go, no, 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 I'm really, I'm not. I just, you know, I just did certain things. So it's important to confess and, and, and to, to be open about your faith. You know, someone once said, if you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence among your family and friends to convict you of being a follower of Christ? Do people even know you're a Christian? 
It's important to tell them. And in the early church, you remember I told you guys last week we were talking about the Fox's Book of Martyrs. And and we have no more copies left. So if you want a copy of the book, I encourage every single born-again believer to get a copy of Fox's Book of Martyrs. Not because we need sales in the bookstore. You understand, right? But that it's important that you understand what your brothers and sisters went through. See, I think we forget. We talk about the persecutions and we don't realize that they were our brothers and sisters. These are people who died for the faith. These are people who, because of their confession, because they were not ashamed to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they were put to death. I was recently revisiting that book and... It was in A.D. 96. The Roman emperor Diocletian was persecuting Christians because they refused, get this, to compromise and put a pinch of incense on the altar in worship of the emperor. And they were told if they confess Caesar as Lord and denounce Jesus as Lord, they would be set free. And because every Christian knows that Jesus is Lord, they weren't set free. They refused, and because they refused, they were thrown in the lion's den, burned at the stake, wrapped in animal skins. You saw the movie The Gladiator. It does nothing compared to what happened. It's awful. Wrapped in animal skins, and then they would feed them to these starving lions. They would take these lions and put them in the cage and starve them for weeks. And then wrap the Christians, your brothers and your sisters, wrap them in animal skins and feed them, send them out to the lions. They would dip them alive in hot wax and then take them and burn them at the the stake. It was Nero, nutty Nero, sick, lunatic, megalomaniac Nero who took Christians and dipped them in hot wax, stationed them strategically through his gardens, stripped naked, got on his chariot, and began to ride through his garden saying, you said you were the light of the world, then be the light of the world. And he burned them, and they provided lighting for his gardens. (laughs) Did you know? Those were your brothers, my brothers, And my sisters, they would crucify mothers. Saw the passion? Maybe you understand now a little bit more about the scourging and about the crucifixion and about the cross. They would take mothers and and drape and, and crucify mothers and then drape their babies around their necks while they were on the cross. And get this, sometime the Roman officials would write the name of Christ on the ground and or on the wall and ask the Christian to spit on it. And if the Christian refused, he was arrested, tried, and executed. Christians were suffering under the throne of Rome and they weren't afraid to confess Jesus as Lord. They were not afraid to profess Jesus as Lord. And it was Paul the Apostle in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, who said, I am not ashamed. Matter of fact, where where is it at? Read it with me. Read it with me, if you will. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Now, you got to understand something. It was Paul the Apostle who was imprisoned in Rome and chased out of Thessalonica. He was smuggled out of Damascus and laughed at in Athens and called a fool in Corinth. 
and declared a blasphemer and a lawbreaker in Jerusalem. He was stoned in Lystra and never once did he ever, ever, was he ever ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Paul understood something. Listen and listen close. Paul understood something that I think we forget. Paul understood that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Paul understood that God's word is powerful. We got so many Bibles in print, so many various translations, so many various commentaries and comments and Anybody can write a Bible to tell you the truth. I mean, you take the Bible and then you add your notes to it and you can call it the Rodney Finch Bible. What's so funny? Y'all didn't, y'all didn't. And there's so many Bibles that people forget that this Bible, the words that are contained between these leather binding is the power of God unto salvation. You see, you got to understand something. This book is different than Harlequin Romance. You, you knew that, right? Say amen. Yeah, because see, those books aren't living. The New York bestseller, the books aren't living. John Grisham, he writes good books and they do good movies and all this stuff. And those books are great, but they're not living. Those books cannot save you. They can't provide you life. But this book... Like no other book ever written and no other book that shall ever be written is a book of power and a book of life. The Bible says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my book, my word shall never pass away. And this is what Paul the Apostle says. Don't you understand? The word of God is the power of God. In the Greek language, that word power is the Greek word dunamis. You guessed it. We have the word dynamite. In other words, God's word is dynamite. Every time I think of it, I think of J.J. Walker, man. <laughs> oh, J.J. say, dynamite. J.J. was cool, man. I was telling him today, I said, you know, all these sitcoms on TV nowadays, that, oh, that junk, you want to watch some good TV, y'all check out Good Times. <laughs> Temporary layoff. <laughs> Here's a credit ripoff. <laughs> God's word is dynamite, powerful. And that's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it because it is the power of God unto salvation. Well, Rodney, I don't know how to share. I don't know how to tell people about Jesus. I don't know how to get the conversation started. I don't know what to say. That's why I don't confess and profess and evangelize. And rather, I'm fossilizing, but I'm not evangelizing. And I don't know what to do. You know, you know what you do? You know what you do? You start saying what he says. All you need to do is just, all you need to do is use the word. Because see, if you use the word, it's not about you. You've got to understand something. It's not about you. If you just simply begin to say what God's word, you'd be surprised the word of God just goes out in power. And people's lives are changed. And you know what happens? Like you'll start telling somebody about the Lord and all of a sudden all these verses will start coming back. And you'll go, man, I, man, I didn't even know I knew that. That was good, man. I should have I had that recorded. That was some good. Oh, man, I, I got some preacher in me. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I'm actually pretty good at this. 
and people start getting changed and people's lives are affected and people start knowing God all because God's word is the power of God unto salvation. That's why it's so important to confess him with your mouth and to, to use your mouth to publicly say it. Because, and that's important because when you publicly say something, it kind of solidifies and confirms what you believe as a Christian. That's why it's important to say it with your mouth. Because you're firming up and, and, and what comes out of your mouth is a reflection of your heart. That's why the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Confessing with your mouth is a reflection of what is in your heart. And so true disciples are willing to confess Jesus as Lord, even if it means persecution. Can I encourage you? Go public with your faith. Go public with your faith. Very important that you do that. Then number 11, we got to move on. A true disciple understands Jesus needs to be your priority. Did you see that in verse 34 through 39? Jesus says, don't think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have come to, if you will, stir things up. Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace. He says, I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against mother, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Maybe that explains it. It's right here in the Bible. And Jesus goes on to say, now, if you love your father or mother more than me, you can't follow me. And if you love your kids more than Jesus, you can't be his Disciple. Interesting verse. Taking notes, Luke chapter 14 and verse 26. A very interesting parallel scripture. It says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not wear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's a very fascinating verse. Jesus says that you must hate your family. Now, when many people read this verse, it causes a lot of confusion. Some people say, well, you know, I have to hate my family in order to follow Christ. Man, Rodney, that sounds like a cult or something. But you got to understand something here. The word hate, it literally means, got a pen, to love less. It means to love less. It's actually a term of comparison. In other words, your love for Christ needs to be so strong that your love for parents, wife, kids, friends will seem like hatred in comparison. So if you are going to be a disciple, your love for Jesus needs to exceed your love for anything or anyone. In other words, Jesus needs to become your greatest priority in life. Jesus needs to become your greatest priority. What's your priority? Is it money? Is it fame? Fortune? Big house? Nice car? Lots of education? Oh, these things are not all bad, but if these things are your priority and the reason you live, then they have taken the place of a God in your life. And Jesus says, I'll have, God says, I'll have no other gods before me. He wants to be your priority. The Bible says, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? Man, if you had, a, if you had as much money as Bill Gates, if you had as much money as Donald Trump, if you had as much money as Oprah, 
But Oprah got a lot of money, y'all. You know you got a lot of money when all you have to do is put a letter up, O, and everybody knows who you're talking about. And she got a lot of money. But what would it profit her, Bill Gates, or Donald Trump to gain the whole world and to lose your soul? God wants to be your priority. God does not want to be prominent in your life. He wants to be preeminent in your life. Number one, preeminent in every aspect of your life. Preeminent in your business. Preeminent in your relationships. Guys, fellas, you have a girlfriend who's unsaved. God wants to be a priority in your life. Ladies, you got a boyfriend who's unsaved. God wants to be a priority in your life. When you wake up in the morning, make God a priority. Lord, good morning, Lord. You know, I mean, do we people do that, actually? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293-0923 That's 1-800-293-0923 You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.